just one of kings Better than none and ring That's why we're here to sing Football Sunday in the snow Referees whistle blows Weekend warriors toe to toe Football 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 Yes, people, welcome along to another edition of London's favourite podcast. It is the North London 40. Woo! My name is James Hamlin. My name is Inye Benigo. What's happening, everybody? Happy Thanksgiving to you all. I hope you all gave thanks successfully. Mm-hmm. It has been another fantastic week in the NFL, week 12 of the NFL. That was amazing. I think you're missing a word there, bananas. 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 Hashtag bananas. Got to bring that ish back. We're going to be getting into all the Week 12 stuff, all the Thanksgiving stuff. We've also got a couple of special guests on this week. We've got Sam Tucky, big Jets fan, is going to be coming on talking New York Jets Mm -hmm. with us. Also a member of the London Blitz, going to be filling us in on all sorts of things happening with the London Blitz and how you can get involved with London Blitz and American football in general. Also be welcoming Ross from NFL Island later, who's going to help us break down the phenomenal achievement that is the Fighting Irish, mm-hmm. number one team in American college football. A team that we talked about on the pod, well, briefly talked about on the pod back in the early days. We did actually, and I've just thought about it. We were actually talking, the last time Sam was on the pod, mm-hmm. we were actually talking about it because it was yeah. actually that week, so it's apt that he comes back on. So I'm sure there's a connection mm-hmm. between teams coming to the UK yes. and then going on to win titles. Yes. Happened for the Giants mm-hmm. in 07. Could be the Jags winning the Super Bowl in 2016. You never know. <laughs> We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, though. I don't know whether Chad Henney's really good enough to do that, but hey. We'll talk Chad Henney later if we've got some time as well, because <laughs> he won a game for the Jags this week in some kick-ass Jags outfits. I love the all-black. Really? Yeah. Is it slimming? Is that why? Is that, is that, I, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I would go all-black everything, literally. <laughs> <laughs> you and Kanye, then. You and Kanye. Some housekeeping before we get into this, as we always do. We are North London 40. On the Twitter, thank you for all your tweets, all the follows, all the interactions, at NLDN40 on the Twitter. NorthLondon40.tumblr.com on the Tumblr. Email NorthLondon40 at gmail.com. Mixcloud.com, NLDN40. And, of course, on iTunes, subscribe. We drop in your slightly dodgy iPod app. Manch James's bugbear right there. Uh, a bugbear that's shared by many okay. We drop in that late Mondays, early Tuesdays So you can pick us up and take us into work Or whatever you do to help break down the NFL So, great week this week It's been a very long week It started very early Yep. Now, we've been as critical of the Thursday games as anyone mm-hmm. Worried about player safety mainly The boring matchups And worried about the games are. They're just so unpredictable because you just don't know what's going to happen, but not necessarily a good way. The teams don't... It's not been a great product so far. Yeah. This all changed this week because the games coincided with the advent of Thanksgiving. Warm-up Christmas. Not only was there three games on, we were also able to be in attendance at the Thanksgiving bash in Moorgate, which I have to say to everybody involved, everybody that was there, was a fantastic occasion. Mm-hmm. It was. It was great to meet all the fellow UK NFL fans, the people running the, you know, their respective websites, podcasts, Twitter sites, all that. It was great to meet you all, and it was it was a fantastic day slash evening slash night 
affair. It was. Started at 4pm, went on till the early hours. We left about 2 o'clock, and yeah. I think some people probably stayed till the end. Mm-hmm. But it was brilliant, and I think Enya sums it up really well. Shout to Danny, who was on our podcast last week. Bigging it up, talking about it. He did an excellent organisational job. Fantastic job. Fantastic sartorial. I, I don't know. I think I'm just going to... Just a fantastic fashion, let's put it that way. You got him a spot on Sky Sports. Mm-hmm. Inye was on Sky Sports. You might have seen him. Yeah. Trying to surreptitiously put the uh, exciting North London 40 t-shirts into camera frame, but yes. He was. Well done for the people on Twitter that spotted Inye. Danny Vega will be putting on another event for the Championship Bash which is going to happen on the 20th of January, which mm-hmm. is going to be the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game, which is going to be taking place at the same venue. At the same damn time. At the same damn time. We'll be back there in effect, so I look forward to seeing everybody there. We'll be plugging that event throughout the podcast as we do over the next couple of weeks, giving you all the information that you need to know, links, where to buy tickets and stuff. So we hope to see you all again then, if not before. And Inyo makes a great point. It was brilliant to see everybody... Not only old friends down there, bunch of people that we've known for a while, but also meeting new friends, putting names to faces, and everybody basking in the glory that is NFL at accessible times. Yes. Consuming this sport like quote-unquote normal people consume it. <laughs> it. You know, we came out of the shadows, we came out of the nocturnal habitude that we normally have to watch the NFL, and yeah, it was great. Mike Carlson was down there, um, did a bit of a Q&A with us. That was brilliant. Thank you, Mike. Absolute mm-hmm. pro as per normal. So that was the event. Yep. But it was all about the games. Mm-hmm. Three fantastic games. Well, two fantastic games and one that wasn't so fantastic. Started with the Houston Texans, 34. Thanksgiving's own Detroit Lions, 31. In overtime, no one expected this. The whole of the number one sports bar in Moorgate was cheering for the Lions. Inye, what happened? They lost. That's short and succinct. But they lost an OT. And I feel really, really bad for the Lions because, as we mentioned last week, they are one of two teams that always play on Thanksgiving, them and the Cowboys. And they have lost now the past ten years in a row. And it's not necessarily their fault. Do you know why, James, it's not their fault? Tell me. They've played juggernauts every single time. Texans come in into this game 9-1. and one, Yes. And even though they laboured this week almost as much as they laboured last week against the Jags, they... Yeah. Poor Lions, that's all I say. It was an amazing game. It swung back and forth. Very controversial play when Justin Forsett scored a huge 81 touchdown run. Everybody in the pub, everybody in America, everybody on the moon could see that his knee and elbow were down. But unfortunately, due to the timing of him throwing in a challenge flag, and now I appreciate it's very hard to be sympathetic for Jim Schwartz based on his general behaviour, but due to the timing of the throwing of the challenge flag, it negated an automatic review Called for unsportsmanlike conduct. The play stood. It shouldn't have stood. Detroit should have won the game. That didn't matter. Veteran kicker, Jason Hansen. Love Jason Hansen. Had a chance to win it. Couple of seconds left. 47-yard field goal. Hit the upright in the fifth possession of OT. Texans came down. Shane Graham, 32 yards. Two weeks in a row... 
massive overtime victories for Houston. Don't appear to have any defense, but they're an exciting team. Not even two weeks, within five days. This was a team that we <laughs> were point. thinking were going to be absolutely shattered after playing, uh, you know, the, the OT the week before. But they stepped up. They, you know, they're ten and one now. They're looking like one of the best teams in the league. This was a team without really much of an identity. We knew that they were good coming into this season. And I think this year we're seeing them have the victories that the commentators would say builds a championship winning team. And right now, I think we're seeing that with the Texans. Commiserations to David and all the other Detroit Lions fans that we met there. And I think most people are honorary Detroit Lions fans for the night. Calvin Johnson is back, eight receptions and 140 yards. He's being the fantasy football beast that you first-round pickers wanted him to be. Ryan Broyles as well, six catches, 126 yards. Big injury, final year at Oklahoma, was predicted to be a top-five pick. Last season in the draft, showing some good stuff. Great to see him back amongst it, and maybe a fantasy sleeper that's worth picking up in weeks to come. But the juggernaut of the Texans rolls on. When that game finally finished, we then moved on to the other incumbent of Thanksgiving games, the Dallas Cowboys. Before we'll give you the final score, in case you don't know it, and you probably do, let's give you the halftime score, because mm-hmm. America was, quote-unquote, shook. Dallas Cowboys 3, Black Jesus and his Washington Redskins 28. And effectively, at halftime, it was over as a contest. This was a football masterclass in 30 minutes by RG3. What more can you say? We have hyped RG3 up every single week we've been doing this pod. And I think we have... We've been... We've been doing so correctly. He's deserved these platitudes. But this was the week on television in everyone's front room that he cemented himself to the also the casual fans. Four TDs on the day. Didn't even run that much in this game. This was not like, you know, a Michael Vick performance. This was not a PlayStation game. This was a quarterback who was really showing what he can do. His receivers came up to play today. Pierre Garçon, or Pete Waiter as we like to call him, is only 70%. He's not even fully fit, but the Redskins desperately needed him out there because their other wide receivers aren't good enough. And do you know what he did? He was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Right now, we are seeing a team in the ascendancy with the Washington Redskins. No one wants to play this team. RG3, or BJ, as we're going to start calling him on here. First half was 8 of 8, 178 yards and 3 touchdowns. Two of them, huge long balls. One to Garcon, one to Robinson. No one wants to play this team. Inye is absolutely spot on because this is what they can do. Teams are still seeing RG3 for the first time. The Cowboys attempted a bit of a comeback. Des Bryant keeps racking up very good games. Eight catches, 145 yards for him. It looked like it might get close at some point. Nobody in the sports bar wanted it to. It didn't end up that way. The Redskins got the W. This is a team that is going in the right direction. Possible shout out a wild card. No one's going to want to play RG3 in the playoffs. On to the third game of the evening. This one was on late. The number one sports 
bar in Moorgate. It was like a scene from The Walking Dead at this point. <laughs> Only the hardcore remains. People were ordering coffees at this time. They were. The place has a 24-hour alcohol license, but people were ordering coffees. Yeah. And that bloke in the Tebow jersey was more hypo than ever. Yeah. Only the hardcore remained. The fans of the New England Patriots and the fans of the New York Jets. Now, to help us break down this game, we thought we'd bring this guy back on the pod. Big New York Jets fan to help us make some sense of what happened, what has been happening, and what is going to happen to the New York Jets. It's a bit like a horror movie. It's very upsetting to watch, but very enjoyable as well. Of the London Blitz, welcoming back to the pod, Sam Tucky. Sam, how's it going? Very well, thank you, James. Very well. So sorry um, to have to bring you back on in such... Um, sad circumstances. Correct. But New England Patriots 49, the New York Jets 19. Sam, as a Jets fan, what's going on, mate? It's one of these things. I have to constantly defend yourself the entire time. So If you, you, know, if you would, yeah. yeah. A, lot of people, a lot of people ask the question. I think the main thing is, is no one really wants to be there, I think. You get the feeling there's very little passion when they go out on the field. It's a hostage situation. I, I love going to New York. I mean, what, what they're moaning about is brilliant. You know, media attention and, 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 and the fact that you're in the biggest market and everyone bearing down on you. And I think you get in a bit of a rut and you just stay there. And then obviously this seems to be compounding the fact that everyone just feels a little bit uncomfortable about the Thibaut Sanchez scenario. It's boring that every time we talk about the Jets, we always have to mention Tebow, but considering he basically never doesn't play. It's all these but, broadcasters, like <laughs> podcasts, yeah, and we keep going all these fans with their opinions. Stuff, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're to blame, <laughs> you know, just to, just to pick up some hits on, uh, on Twitter and stuff. But just so, in case anybody hasn't been following this car wreck of a season for the New York Jets, do you want to give everyone a big summation? You guys are four and seven. What's basically happened in the season so far? Started that preseason looking awful, but we actually came out of the gates incredibly strong. I mean, look at that first game against the Bills. The offense was just clicking. The defense looked great. Everything was fantastic. And then I think it was either the next game or the game after that, Revis got hurt. And from then on, that was really the start of the heavy decline that we've seen. Because when you've got someone like Rebus who just, who can completely dominate the entire defensive game, you don't really have to worry about things as much. So you can put more of your energy and more of your focus into into the offense. And and, and certainly, what I see the most thing, most important thing is is Rex Ryan's sort of energy and enthusiasm. Now, because Rebus isn't there, he's had to then focus more time on the defense. Which actually, I mean, I know they put a huge huge amount of points. The Patriots put a huge amount of points on them. But actually, if you look at it, hasn't really been doing that bad. They're putting in lots of different looks. Everything looks exciting, you know. They're getting they're getting stats all over the place. But when you've got no help from the offense at all, it makes the game very hard. And plus, when you're staying on the field as much as they are, you know, you look at look at the amount of time that the offense, the Jets' offense, spent on the field compared to the Jets' defense. Oh, I try to look the other way when the New York Jets offense are on the field, personally. But uh, I do know what you mean. Do you think that because uh, Rex Ryan has lost all this weight, he's no longer jolly, and that means he isn't putting the enthusiasm into the team and geeing them up the way that he used to? Well, I don't know if you remember on uh, Hard Knocks when they did it a couple of years ago, um, he wasn't exactly the most jolly man there. I wouldn't get him to play Santa. Most of the time he seems to be a big, shouty, sweary bear. I think maybe you're right. I think some of the enthusiasm that he has seems to be slightly waning. You look at him in press conferences, you look at him in, in interviews and things, he, he, he looks resigned to the fact that this season is just going to be a washout. And I don't, I, I'm, I'm sure he isn't, but if you're giving that impression, 
tough not for your players, sorry, to feed off that and maybe get a little dis- bit disheartened. And I don't know. Again, brings back to this whole Tebow thing. Why was he activated this week? Why was Tebow activated this week onto the fo- game day 45 when he's got two broken ribs? He's not going to play. So why was he on the si- why was he on the sideline? Was it was he there to try and give the lift to everyone on Sam, the side? Sam, these are the sort of key questions we <laughs> wanted to ask you because we and the listeners just don't know. But that being said, I, I read a really interesting article. I can't remember who it was by uh, the last couple of days, which said, "Is it coaching, or is, is it the coaches, or is it the players who are responsible for in New York?" And not necessarily the way the players are playing, but the players that they've got. And therefore, does the blame fall more on Rex Ryan or more on Mike Tenenbaum? I, interestingly enough, who, 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 what receivers have we got? I mean, we picked up Stephen, Stephen Hill in the second round of the draft this year. Fair enough. But he hasn't really set the world alight, has he? Nope. Behind him, you've got Curley, who's a great third, maybe fourth receiver. Behind him, you've got Chaz Shillings. I mean, I haven't even heard, haven't even heard of him before this year. You've got a running back who can't run. You know, he, can't get the tough yards that you need. You know, I'd like it if he just if he could get three yards every time, I'd be really happy. But I mean, you see in the, in the game the other day on fourth down, and he just ran straight into the back of the pile, and I think he lost two yards. I think you're right. I think when you look at the team, you can expect a lack of enthusiasm from Rex Ryan because he's pretty much dead man walking in the coaching position right now. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right, Mike Tannenbaum. This team has been set up to try to do something and we were told it was trying to be a smash mouth stick it in your ear type football team ground and pounds that was what we were led to believe however that hasn't worked there's no plan b mm-hmm. lots of money was given to mark sanchez lots of money was given to santonio holmes now yeah. santonio holmes has got injured mm-hmm. we know that but santonio holmes is santonio holmes darrell revis got injured out for the season as we know people with salary capping unfortunately <coughs> If one of your best players gets injured, you can't do a Man City or a Chelsea and just go and get some other bloke mm-hmm. and fill the spot. doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, he goes out the door. So I think you're right. I think no one can really understand why Mike Tenenbaum constructed the team the way he did. No one could understand why they would put the distraction of Tim Tebow on the team and then not play him. Absolutely pointless. So what happens now? I think that we've got a relatively easy run of, run of games for the rest of the season. Um... I mean, I, is it, and it's not awful. There's a very high likelihood, looking at looking at the schedule earlier, I think we could go four and one. Because, you know, we're playing teams that, to be honest, aren't very good. I mean, I know we're not, but at least we've got the defense to back us up. And, you know, we have we have shown that we can put up, up, up big, big scores. We have shown that this year. So the talent is there. So I think at the end of the season, I think Mike Tenenbaum is probably gone. A Woody Johnson goes, you know what, you know, let's start in with a brand new GM. They get rid of him on the day that the season ends for them, which will probably be before the playoffs start. Um, and, and you, and you start and you go, okay, let's think of what, what is the team philosophy going to be? And let's really go after it in the draft and in free agency. Let's cut away a lot of the deadwood and start a rebuilding year. I think they give Rex another year to basically really, really, really build on the defense that he's got. Really work on it hard, and, may, and maybe, and maybe I don't know, exciting as a quarterbacks coach or a wide receivers coach to come in and help Tony Sprano if they keep him. But for my money, I'd also want to get rid of Sprano as well and bring in someone, someone who's exciting, someone who's going to ignite the defense, uh, the offense a little bit. Because actually, 
I know they wanted to go this whole ground and pound thing, but actually it hasn't been working. And Tony Sprano's not exciting enough to be moving on to something else. And that's kind of the reason why they got rid of Brian Schottenheimer, because he was really conservative. But they've gone with another conservative play caller. So, so Sam, our New York Jets fan. So Tannenbaum, according to Sam, is gone. Mm-hmm. Rex Ryan is staying. Yep. Tony Sperano is gone. Mm-hmm. Let's go through the other key protagonists in this roller coaster ride that is being a New York Jets fan and part of the New York soap opera. Mark Sanchez, staying or going? He will stay, but I think they will they will draft a new QB, a new QB who is nearer to his style. Than someone like Tebow, but he will, and they will be given a full chance to compete with each other and push each other because that's also what Mark, Mark Sanchez has lacked. He's never had someone push him. Sean Green staying or going? He probably won't go anywhere, but again, I think they'll start to be they'll start to be looking around. You know, I mean, they found you know Arian Foster went undrafted, and you know we got um, a couple of other running backs who you know who who go in lower rounds. I don't think they're going to be looking for a feature back, but I think they're going to be looking for some more complementary and bigger backs to maybe pair up and do a bit of a running back by committee, but he should be fine. Santonio Holmes? Will almost certainly go because now they've got no financial restriction on him. They'll want to get rid of him because, let's be honest, no one in the organization seems to like him. Talking of people going, the Jets lost and the NFL lost one of its most high-profile and media-friendly fans this week. He's hung up his helmet. Fireman Ed is no longer in New York. Sam, how do you feel about that? I mean, I'm in a way I'm upset. Um, you know, the last time I was on, I mentioned to to you guys that I might be going out to New York. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. The guy was supposed to be staying with working New York Fashion Week. Long story. That I will never now get the opportunity potentially to actually go to a game and see him rile up the fans and get everyone going. Before we talk about this, for any of our listeners who don't know who Fireman Ed is, do you want to just give a bit of a background into? who he is, what he's done, and what he's all about, and why, more importantly, he'll be missed. Weirdly, uh, well, Farman Ed is, is, is the New York Jets superfan. He, he is the New York Jets. You see any fan pictures, it's him. And the reason he's called Fireman's Ed is because he's got a Jets-branded Fireman's helmet. And not like a little yellow plastic kid's Fireman's helmet, a proper Fireman's helmet. And um, Actually, funnily enough, he actually didn't start out being a Jets fan. He actually started out being a Miami fan, a Dolphins fan, and actually moved to New York and, and, and be part of the fire, the fire department and, and, and became a Jets fan, just just loved the way that they played. And he he's the one who's, who constantly, constantly, constantly leads the chance of J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. The entire stadium roars this at times. And he's the one who's driving everyone forward, getting the fans engaged, getting everyone pumped up and excited. So... In terms of stadium atmosphere, he's a huge loss. A huge loss. But he says he's not going. He's just hanging up the helmet and going to go and sit in a different section of the stands where less people are likely to recognize him. I don't quite know how it's possible. And why uh, has he put his helmet up on the hook? He says that the last um, last few games this year, there's been a real nasty edge in the crowd. And there's people, a lot of people being yelling abuse at him and, and, and getting on his back and they feel like he's on the payroll of the team and probably has something to answer for for the poor results whereas actually he's not paid by the team he buys his season ticket just like everyone else he's just a big fan and a big personality and and it's a shame that you know similar to to possibly football in this country you know that there is a nasty element at some games and unfortunately sometimes that spoils it for everyone else 
It's a bit similar to how the players have been on the field, actually. They've been sniping behind each other's backs, and I think Feynman just just had enough. And it's it's really sad to see, as you said, if you kind of put it into perspective in the UK, and this week we've had the, the horrible um, experiences with <clears throat> uh, West Ham and... And Spurs, you kind of think oh. Fireman Ed is, is, he's along the same lines as the, the Pompey Bell ringer. Would football be the same without him? It is a shame, and I think that if you haven't had a chance to read Adam Goldstein's excellent Tailgate to Heaven book, it focuses a lot on this. Fans in this country, with our sports versus American sports fans, there isn't really hang, any anger, there isn't really any hate there. It's just people getting behind their teams in many ways. So, you heard from Sam Jets fans. He's heralding big changes, forecasting big changes. And as we always say about the NFL, it's all about parity. So they may be rubbish now, but I'm sure they'll be back off the schneid in the next couple of years. It is New York. An 8-8 eight and eight season will not be tolerated. Sam, we were breaking down the Thanksgiving bash. Your squad, your boys, the London Blitz are in attendance. All very well behaved from what I could see. Why don't you just fill the listeners in on all things London Blitz what you guys are up to, how pre-season's going, how people can potentially get involved and support the cause. What's going on? Well, last time we talked, we'd obviously just come off uh, the big uh, win in the, in the national final against London Warriors. So, you know, obviously there was, you know, massive, huge excitement at that point. But then we start this progressive winding down. And this is when the players and the coaches can go away and, and just relax and not really think about football for a little while and, and just move on with you know, move on with all the bits and pieces they need to do in their life. Like, you know, our head coach kept talking about going to go and paint his, uh, paint his front room. Move, move on to all the other things in their life, like watching tons of NFL. Yeah. <laughs> yes, quite. I mean, it, it is nice from that aspect because there's no waking up incredibly early on a Sunday morning to go to training. In fact, so you can stay up and you can watch college football and then, you know, you're not training on a Sunday again. So, you know, you can get in, get in the bar and, and, and watch all the NFL games, which is brilliant. So that's fantastic. But, Obviously, things keep ticking over. We've had quite a few committee meetings about, you know, the new directions or, you know, new exciting plans that we've got for next year and, and, and how we want to put things together. I think the biggest change that we've done so far is we have rookie sessions, which run every year, and they've always been very well attended. Um, we advertise through Facebook. We advertise through Twitter. We advertise on our website, get people excited, get people down, get them to come and just try out football, you know, some of the basics so they can decide whether or not they maybe want to join the team. Is this like touch, flag, non-kitted stuff, just drills? What's, what's the, uh... drills, go through some drills and then we do maybe a little pass skelly, which is, you know, uh, seven, kind of a little bit similar to seven on seven. So a little bit similar to flag. And then we also do a little bit of, you know, offense versus defense. And then we might have a little bit of a game, a little bit of a scrimmage at the end, you know, just, but it's mainly for fun. Quite a lot of the time it's unkitted. So it's just it's just to get people used to the motions and the movement and to talk to some of the players and coaches, more importantly, and understand whether they, they could coexist within our, our system that we've built. That first one happened last weekend. Um, oh, yesterday, sorry, yesterday. Um, we had about 60 people attend. Um, but for the first time, and this is where the change came, we decided to, just due to the volume of people coming in who've played the sport before, we decided to do a split. So we had the complete rookies who'd never played the game in one group and people who had played the game at some sort of level in the other group. Now, the people who had played, never played the game before went off with some of the coaches, did some drills. And the people who have had a bit of experience before went off with the two coordinators, offense and defense, 
And we actually got a lot installed. We actually installed some of our playbook, you know, with these guys who, who got some of the, got a lot of the football basics down. And there's some athletes out there, some real athletes, and they're looking good. And as a result of that, it not only gives them a little bit of a jump start on the season, so they're not thrown in the deep end, but it also allows them to understand a little bit what's expected by the high standards that our coordinators put out there. If you want to join in and you want to try and you're listening to this and you've got a bit of a hankering to come and hit someone, the best thing you can do is we're having another one of these second sessions, the second one, which will be happening on Sunday the se- Is it Sunday the 2nd or Sunday the 3rd? 2nd. The 2nd. It's at 12 o'clock. Lasts for two hours until two o'clock, and it's at the Market Road Sports pitches, and it's about a two-minute walk uh, walk away from Caledonian Road Station. There's plenty of parking around there as well. All the details are online on the website and on the Facebook page, and you know, get in touch with us on Twitter if if you don't have either of those, and and come down and have a look because this is where we start to see who might have it, who might not, and we can talk to people about what it is that they want to do. You heard it here, people. You're seeing what your heroes are doing on screen. Now is your chance to play the game for the first time, or if you used to play the game and you want to pick it back up again, Sam and the London Blitz are offering an excellent platform to do so. And I'm sure there's all sorts of teams all around the nation doing similar stuff. Teams, please get in touch. We're happy to mention you on Twitter. We're happy to shout you out on the podcast yep. because, you know, Obviously, we have a North London bias, mm-hmm. obviously, and, you know, London Blitz are a North London team, but we love all the teams, and we really want to encourage people, as I'm sure Sam does, to get into the sport at any level nationally and take the opportunity to take advantage of schemes like the Blitz are putting on. It's a brilliant thing. I mean, if you live in, in Leicester or you live in East Kilbride or you live in Swansea, wherever you live, you know, we understand that you're not necessarily going to be able to come and join the Blitz, and, and we're all about progressing the sport, like James said. So, equally, we're happy. Just give us a ring. You know, shout us out. We'll uh, we'll happily tell you, uh, give you the lowdown on where to go, or even just where to find information. As someone who's played this sport for many years, I can back up what Sam has said. It's a great sport. You really get a lot out of it, and um, yeah, just try it out. You yeah. never know. Sam, thank you ever so much for coming back on North London 40. Sorry the Jets are so bad. Mm-hmm. We can't help that. <laughs> Please keep in touch with us. Let us know what's going on with the Blitz. And I'm sure we will see you at upcoming NFL slash American football events. And, um, yeah, thanks for coming on board. Let's sprint through the rest of the Week 12 games. The Buffalo Bills, 13. The Indianapolis Colts, 20. Another win for Andrew Luck. But more importantly, a game where we saw... Two cheerleaders get their heads shaved on American national TV. Yeah, this was not some sort of perversion. This was part of the whole Chuck Strong movement, which has seen the Indianapolis fans and organization. The two cheerleaders did this in support of Chuck Strong, which raised $22,000 on the day, and it was an amazing sight to see. And congrats to them, and congrats to the Colts. They are 7-4, and four, and they are continuing to steamroll on. Another win for Andrew Luck and the Colts. Looking in the wild card hunt. Moving on. A game that we just sat there thinking. Don't know how they're going to lose it. But it's the Cleveland Browns. So somehow they're going to lose it. Mm-hmm. But they didn't lose it to one of their biggest rivals. According to uh, 
our friend Joe that comes on the podcast. Everyone within a 200 mile vicinity of Cleveland and his arrival, but these guys are definitely one of their rivals. The Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cleveland Browns, 20. The Pittsburgh Steelers, 14. Eight turnovers for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's just one statistic, and that's the statistic that sums up the whole game. Charlie Batch, a.k.a. John Legend, with a horrible game. When you've got your third-string quarterback playing and you've got all your running backs causing turnovers, you're not going to win a game. And the Steelers didn't win the game. The Steelers are missing Big Ben. They need him back for the Ravens game. This is a team that is in disarray without their leader, their talisman. At one point, we were watching the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was Charlie Batch throwing to Plexico Barres. This was bad. Mm-hmm. I haven't done the research on this, I'm going to admit it, but this was office tittle-tattle today. Charlie Batch, allegedly, Charlie Batch, allegedly 37 years old. Oldest player in the NFL that is not a kicker. I'm 36 years old. Charlie Batch was playing when I was a teenager. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, if you're, I'm 36, why don't they sign me up? And yeah, you're from Nigeria. You yeah. know all about sportsmen with dodgy fake ages. Yes, I do. How old is Charlie Batch really? Um, Give me the over-under the on o- Taribo <laughs> West. <laughs> 50. Kanu, I definitely know. Kanu says that he's 37, but in reality he's 42. Oberfemi Martins, add five. It's basically just add five. Add five? Yeah. So Charlie Batch is really 42? Yes. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. And used to sing with Kanye West. Moving on to the late games. This was a big one. In the Superdome. The controversy leading up to the game was, who would start? Would it be Big Cap, Colin Kaepernick? Would it be Alex Smith for the San Francisco 49ers? San Francisco 49ers fans needn't have worried because that decision was left in the hands of the NFL's undisputed number one head coach, Jim Harbour. He made the right decision. Big Cap was on fire. His San Francisco 49ers beat the New Orleans Saints 31-21 and improved to 8-2-1. and James, this quarterback situation was something that we were talking about on the Thursday night. We all didn't think it was possible that you were going to bench your starting QB for this guy that had shown flashes of brilliance and beaten an admittedly very good Chicago D the week before. Harbaugh did. Kaepernick proved that he's good. Running for one TD, throwing for another. His interception, luckily, on the next play, Drew Brees threw the ball back to the 49ers. And they got the win. The San Francisco D really showed up there. The 49ers demonstrating potentially what could be situational quarterback play. Choosing a quarterback to play against the opposition. Something that happens in college football a lot. Jim Harbour, fresh out of college as a coach. He had Andrew Luck at Stanford, so obviously didn't have the problem. He played every down, obviously. Interesting to see where that developed, but nice decision for any coach to have. Another stat about Harbour, which I thought was interesting this week. He was bypassed by Jay Cutler as the second leading passer in Chicago Bears history. As someone that's been a Chicago Bears fan for 85, I obviously remember the Harbour years. I don't remember that many of them. (laughs) 
I was like, where did those yards come from? <laughs> anyway, there you have it. San Francisco 49ers roll on. Staying with the late games. This was a game that you watched and you really struggled as a neutral to have an opinion on where it was going to go. The Baltimore Ravens versus the San Diego Chargers. Now, you knew that the San Diego Chargers were going to find a way to lose it. And you knew that the Baltimore Ravens were somehow going to find a way to win it. They're an 8-2 and two team. They're not a great team. They just keep winning these types of games. So you watched it in a sense of waiting for it to be over. There was a minute 37 to play. The Baltimore Ravens faced a 4th and 29 from their own 37. They went for it. They had to go for it. They got it. You've all seen the play by now. If not, there's lots of memes out on Twitter. Have a look at them. Ray Rice probably didn't get enough yards. Was probably a yard and a half short. Mm. Bit of a dodgy spot. But you, he kind of did it with ease. He sort of slalomed through the San Diego defense. Eight of them. To pick up the longest fourth down play in 12 years in the NFL. Play of the week undoubtedly. In a game, apart from this play, was not a great game. Not at all. The Ravens have really struggled on the road, just like quite a few other NFL teams, the Seattle Seahawks included. And one of the things they were talking about in the pregame show was the importance of establishing a run. And to be honest, I don't think the Ravens did that on, on this day. On to the final game, the very late game that in recent weeks have been awful. New York Giants, against the in recent weeks, have been dope. Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, 10. The New York Giants, 38, with 31 points scored in the first half. Eli Manning, never count him out. If you listen back to the pod two weeks ago, I said that they needed to get to their bye and they rested, and the Giants came back, and Eli managed to find some magic in his arm again. In this game, he's now the top-scoring New York Giant quarterback of all time, by uh, <clears throat> surpassing Phil Sims. And this is a game that he had his first TD throw since Week 7. Eli's back, the Giants are back, with a convincing victory. They absolutely destroyed the Green Bay Packers. I don't think anybody saw this in front of a national TV audience. No one wants to play the Giants. What does this all mean for the standings? Well, the aforementioned Giants of New York now top the NFC East with a 7-4 and record. Two games back you have the Washington Redskins. Chicago Bears, 8-3, and three, have a game up on the Green Bay Packers after they drop that one. Bird Gang, Atlanta Falcons, continue to fly on. 10-1. and one. And the Niners, 8-2-1, and one, atop of the NFC West. And the AFC, New England Patriots, 8-3. and three. Best team in the league, in my opinion. Baltimore Ravens, 9-2 and two in the AFC North. Houston Texans, 10-1 and one in the AFC South. And the Denver Broncos, 
eight and three in the AFC West. So, looking at the playoff picture, looking at the playoff pictures, what does it all mean? Well, what you're looking at in the NFC bye weeks for Atlanta and San Francisco. You're looking at Green Bay having to go back into New York and take on the Giants, which they are not going to want to do. And then RG3 going into Chicago to take on Brian Erlacher and Lance Briggs and a couple of foot of snow. That would be a great game. And the AFC, Houston and New England with the buys. Cincinnati going into Baltimore. And then Indianapolis going into Denver. That will be a mouth-watering matchup. Looking at Week 13 schedule. Thursday nights are changing, people. It's all happening now. The Saints are at the Atlanta Falcons. Should be a great matchup with lots of scores and lots of points. But it is a Thursday night game, remember, so expect unpredictability. The early game, Sunday, nine of them. Teach them how to Dougie. Or the muscle hamster or whatever you want to call him. Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Brilliant. Going to Denver to take on Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. Probably the pick of the early games. And in the late games, this is a classic. This is a matchup most of the league have been waiting for. They've had to wait 13 weeks for a matchup of this level of prestige. The Cleveland Browns at the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, yeah. There's only so much hype that can be said about a matchup. This could be game of the season. Forget red zone. This is the game you need to be watching. If you got Game Pass, focus in on that game. And then Monday night, Eli and his New York Giants. There is no love lost here. They are going into the nation's capital, taking on RG3 and the Washington Redskins. Week 13, like week 12, will be amazing. Moving on from NFL, mm-hmm. on to the college game. Yes. Biggest story in college sports, probably biggest story in American sports this week, was them sealing the number one spot in college football and a spot in the BCS championship game on the 7th of January 2013, the unheralded season of Notre Dame. Who better to talk about Notre Dame than our man, Ross Mulcahy, from NFL Island. Ross, how's it going? Hi, James. How are you? We had to go authentic Irish for Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. We could only sum up this spot so well. Ross, you're obviously genuine Irish, genuine NFL, genuine American football. Give us all, all the listeners, a background to Notre Dame. Who are they? Why are they so insanely popular in the U.S.? And why does the Notre Dame program matter so much? Notre Dame are basically the, the Dallas Cowboys of, of um, college football, I suppose. Dallas Cowboys are probably the Notre Dame of, of the NFL more. <laughs> Is a better <laughs> yeah, way to yeah, sum it up. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, huge part of, of American football history. And it all really kind of stems back to the, the, early, ni- uh, the early 20th century in 1918 when Canute Rockney took over the team. Um, I mean, they were... Not making headlines really back then, but he came along and in his 13 seasons there, you know, he won 105 games. He's still one of the most winningest coaches in, uh, 
football history, either college or professional. You know, he brought them to, or he won three national championships with them with five undefeated seasons. And I mean, that, that time of, of Notre Dame's history really put them at one of the cornerstones of, of American football folklore almost. You know, imagine most American football fans would know of the Rudy film from that era and the you know, Rockney's uh, speech at halftime during the uh, the Army game where he spoke about winning one for the Gipper, which is still, you know, talked Ross, about all the time. Could, if you could elaborate on that for uh, for the listeners that actually don't know that story, because it's, it's an amazing story. Uh Notre Dame's rivalries would be against the Army team, and they went in at half time. Uh, I think it was six down to to Army, and obviously at those days it wasn't much of a there wasn't much of a high scoring game with it all just running the ball mainly with a small bit of passing. So six nil down at half time, and, and previously one of the team's uh, players, George Gipp, had died of strep throat uh, in 1920, so a couple about a year before I think. And Rockne basically used this this player's last words that he he claimed anyway his last words that they to to rouse the team in half time you know he's talked about I think I've got it here in front of me I've got to go rock it's all right I'm not afraid and you know kind of just trying to get the boys up and he's basically finished finished it off with the last words of Gipper being coach just just win one for the Gipper uh, basically. Notre Dame went out and inspired by the speech and went on to win the game 12-6 in what was what was probably an upset at the time. So that was you know one of the kind of the greater stories of the Notre, of Notre Dame's history and and there's still still a lot of debate over how accurate uh, Rockney's depiction of Gipps' last words were, but that was what Rockney was all about, you know, using whatever he could to motivate the team and, and get them to do what he needed them to do to to go out and win the game. If you're a fan of American football movies, and I'm sure lots of you are, Wildcats, Any Given Sunday, The Program, The Replacement, Newt Rockney, All-American, starring the would-be president, Ronald Reagan, is an absolutely essential piece of filmmaking. It's out on DVD. You can get it on Amazon. Strongly recommend you pick it up. It uses a similar dramatised version of events to the one that Ross has related, but it is an excellent, excellent movie, and it gets to see this great story in more detail. That was how the legend was set. So give us an Irish perspective, Ross, on Notre Dame. They obviously came over to the Emerald Isle, but they absolutely destroyed Navy. Give us an Irish perspective on the brands, how they're perceived over in your country. Notre Dame being the fighting Irish, uh, we have quite a... A relationship with them in that I think when I started watching American football um, and college football, one of the first things I looked at was like, okay, Notre Dame, I know the name, I know a bit of the history from from a couple of the movies that I'd seen, so it was kind of the go-to, and I think that's where most people are, stand, and I think especially college football doesn't have the exposure over here that it would obviously in the States or, or that NFL would here. So a lot of people don't know many of the teams, and it's a very familiar face I think most go to. So They've also played here a couple of times. They played 1995. They played a game against Army. Um, and this season was actually a regular season game. So it counted towards their schedule um, or to their, their final uh, standings. Uh, and I think one of the great things about it was the amount of fans they brought over. It really made the, the city feel like a college city for a day. There was 35,000 Americans over. And, it, it, you know, the 20,000 Irish that were there really kind of blended in and became one with the, the American crowd. And I think 
we're still kind of keeping, you know, anyone that wasn't a follower of, of Notre Dame or football is still kind of keeping an eye out. Now the exposure is obviously not as high now that it's all, it's all behind us. But with the season that they've gone on to have, there still is a quite a bit of interest uh, about and obviously, especially from American, American football fans. It looked an amazing game. It looks an amazing day out. Mm-hmm. We think Notre Dame took the momentum, possibly kissed the Blarney Stone at midnight, and then rode that onto a national title. Notre Dame were 35-1 to 1 to win the title. They were a mid-25 ranked team. Mm-hmm. They are now ranked number one in the nation. Ross, have they done it? Well, uh, obviously, it's it's a huge turnaround. I mean, when when I was over at the start of the season, when I was speaking to some of the the, the players and the coaches, there was definitely a, a strange feeling that they had that they they were a lot of them thought this had to be their year, you know, with players like Tio and and Eifert staying in college an extra year when they could have gone to the NFL last year. Uh, they they all kind of felt that this was their push. Um, and I mean, Brian Kelly came into the season and there was talk that if he came in, or if he started the season 0-2, there was talk his job might be gone. And that's after two 8-5 seasons. So it's not as if he was doing disastrously. But they've, they've definitely back, they're definitely back on the top of the pile, I think, at the moment. They're, they have a very tough game coming up in the national championship against most likely the SEC champion, whether it's Georgia or Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I don't expect most people would, would, give them favourites for that game. The season that they've had, 12-0, and 0, it's, it's magical. And, and I think for them to have started it out in Dublin was is fantastic for, for Irish people hoping to get into the game, I think, and for maybe more college teams that could come back. But really, I do think that there is a limit to where they can go, especially with so many of their players in their final year of college this year and, and so many of their big players. So we'll see what Brian Kelly can do in the championship game and then going into the start of next season. But it, it's definitely going to be a tough challenge the next uh the next game in the next few months. So college football now goes through a strange period because even though we watch them on TV, they are apparently students. Mm -hmm. They all go home for Christmas holidays and have exams, allegedly. So now Notre Dame don't have another game until January the 7th. That's six weeks away. It's a Mm -hmm. strange setup. And as Ross alluded to, we have the SEC title game, which will feature Georgia versus last year's champion, Alabama. The winner will play Notre Dame in Miami. It should be a brilliant game. You mentioned some of the players. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Manti Teo. He could be potentially the first ever defensive winner of the Heisman Trophy. Can you tell our listeners, in case they don't know, so they can go and YouTube him, who Manti Teo is and some of the things that he's gone through this season? Yes. So Manti Teo is uh, he's a linebacker out of Hawaii. Um, he's in his final year at Notre Dame now. Uh, he'll be one of the top prospects going into the draft next season. He's just had a phenomenal season. came into the season, as I said earlier, that he had the big decision. He could have gone to the NFL. He could have been making millions this year. He wanted to hang around, and, and just from talking to the guy, you know, he's he's definitely a special guy. He, he's um, he's very inspirational towards his team, um, and, and I think everyone knows his love for Notre Dame. And I think he just knew there was something special going to happen this year. But he has had a very, besides the success of the field, he's had a tough season off the field. 
Um, I, his girlfriend and his grandmother died within six hours of each other, uh, both from, from long illnesses. But to have gone out and played a game the weekend after, and even to have taken a trip across to Dublin with his team when, when, you know, he had illness in the family was, was it just shows that the leadership qualities he has and that the, you know, how far he, he's willing to go to, to help his team. Um, and I think he's, he's going to be a special, special player. He, he does remind me of a, a player like Junior Sow, you know, he may not be as physically gifted as some of the players, but his reading of the game is is, is top notch, and the way he he leads the defence is is something special. We could rely on Ross to band around those Junior Sow comparisons <laughs> on the eve of a beating of USC, <laughs> as everybody should do it in the midst of any rivalry. The USC win, 22-13 win at the weekend, was huge. Tail Probably was the most impressive of their victories, to be honest. It was. USC have dropped a few games this year, didn't have Matt Barkley playing, obviously, but are a top team. So we earned a 10.3 Nielsen rating. One of the biggest rated college football games of the season. One of the biggest rivalries in American college sports. On a weekend of amazing rivalries in college sports. Ohio State beat Michigan, in which Florida State beat Florida, in which Alabama crushed Auburn. But this is the biggest rivalry in American college sports. Notre Dame haven't won the national title since the very famous Catholics versus Convicts game against the U back in 1987. This is a really exciting time. Ross, NFL Island, tell the fans of North London 40 and the listeners... What NFL Island's all about? What are you trying to do over there? Yes, yeah, so mainly just promote the sport. And I mean, we have a small league here. It's not as big as the, the league over in Britain. It's definitely growing this year. It's one of the biggest jumps in the league. We've gone from, I think, 11 teams to 14 teams. And there'll be even developmental leagues coming in. So I'm really trying to get on that growth of the sports there at the moment and, and trying to get it to more people. There's a lot of people out there who seem to be watching it on TV and just not understanding it as well. Um, so... Trying to get it, like, like, I presume with you guys as well, you know, trying to just, the more detail we can go into about the sport in, in terms that our audience can understand, I think the better. Um, so, you know, being able to go back to football compar- or soccer comparisons, as it were, it, it was very helpful and to be able to break the game down on that level. But that, that's mainly it was really just spread the word about the game, especially on, on the, the, the fact that we've had Notre Dame over last year and there is talk of, Maybe the Steelers visiting Ireland at some stage in the future, but I'm not that hopeful at the moment, unfortunately. <laughs> any plans already for the January the 7th game? We expected any big parties in Ireland that night to watch the Notre Dame game, or is it still too early to uh, call on that one? I think it's still a bit early. I think the, the, the week after New Year's, I think that the, hopefully the press will start talking about it a bit and kind of you know, relate it back to the game and we'll get a few parties going and there'll be some, some nights in um, some of the clubs and late bars around that will show the game, but the, you know, the one o'clock kickoff isn't that convenient. And unfortunately, I have a, a stag that weekend as well, so I have Ooh. to try and find a way to, to disappear and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he's ready to suffer for his art, people. <laughs> How can they find you, Ross? What's your web URL? What's your Twitter? What's the best way of keeping in touch with what you're up to? Yes, yeah, so you can find NFL Ireland on Twitter, NFL Ireland, and online at NFL-Ireland.com. Just to confuse everyone a small bit. <laughs> Throw the hyphen. 
And anything exciting planned on the website coming up in the next few weeks and months? Well, we're hoping to start our preview of the IAFL. That's our, our league here. We'll be looking at it, talking to a few teams and getting some interviews with the players and looking at what they're doing on their recruitment drives. So that'll be pretty interesting now to see what the teams will be doing. Absolutely. And I think sometimes you can get occasions like this with the Irish inspires people, mm-hmm. galvanises people. Yes. It gives people that initial interest. Like the 85 Bears back in the day. It Oops. gives people a story to hook onto. It gives people an angle to then get into the sport. And as we know, the barriers to this sport can be quite high. But once people are hooked, once they get their teeth in, there's no letting go. It just goes on from there. So, Ross, thank you ever so much for filling in the listeners in on the Notre Dame story. Notre Dame versus Georgia or Alabama will be on very late January the 7th. Cannot wait for that. That will be brilliant. It will be upon us before we know it. Yep. It will be 2013. Ross, thank you ever so much for taking the time. Thank and you. And we will speak to you soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, James. Thanks, Inuit. Take care. Thanks to Ross Mackay from NFL Ireland. Yes. Doing the good work, I have to say. One of my favourite NFL sites outside of the US perspective. Amen. Thanks to Sam Tucky, London Blitz coming on the pod earlier. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to everyone for being down with North London 40. Yep. We will see you in week 13, people. It's going to be a good one. Take care.